laughing about was um, Judy does the finances for our home, and um, she writes the type check every week, and I, I sign as the leader of the home. And um, so the thing she said was, don't forget the tie check. Well, I did. And I, told, well, I told, and I told Bill, I said, Bill, I forgot the check. Don't even hold the plate out this morning. You know, because he he's still usually the usher, and he always holds the plate out, and we put it in. I said, don't even hold the plate out. Don't have a check. I'll bring it tonight. <laughs> still sitting on the counter. And Bill goes, she's going to kill you. <laughs> So some way that check's going to get to the church before Judy gets home. I promise you that. No doubt about that. Oh, wow. Incredible worship. Amen. All right. Good deal. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Acts. And we're in Acts because of Acts. That's where we are. And, uh, again, as I'm reading these words, these songs going, Father, thank you for working it out again as Dave planned the worship tonight, uh, where we're going to go. And we have an incredible story. It, was, it happened, actually, last couple of weeks ago, we had our, our Mercy Luncheon. And I told this incredible story uh, about, uh, about John and Peter. You know, we're going to the, you know, they're going to the temple um, to pray, and, and they came across this, this guy, you know, and, and he was crippled. And so, you know, they looked down, and he was, wanting, he was wanting money, thinking money would, that's what you need, money. And so they looked down and said, you know, we don't have any silver and gold. We have none of that. He says, but such as I have, I give you. In the name of, of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And, and he reached down and took him by the hand. And as he lifted him up, his ankles received strength. It was just an incredible miracle. And, and it's very clear. The Scripture says that he never walked. I mean, it wasn't like he had an accident when he was 12, you know, and, but he never walked. And I told the Mercy Corner folks, I said, two incredible miracles. One, God healed his legs, and two, God taught him to walk. Amen? And so, and so you know, people go wild. He starts jumping up and down, praising God and all that good things. And then Peter takes the opportunity to preach a sermon. And, and I've got way too much Scripture tonight, which means we're not going to be able to camp anywhere long. Um, but it's just, it's, just a, it's just a fun Scripture. But real quick, look at chapter 3, and I just want to read this to you. Talking about boldness. And I, I like this. I've got it written to say down later on. But Peter, just about like five weeks before this, three weeks before this, was just a humble fisherman guy, you know, who God, Jesus had called. Probably very uncomfortable with public speaking. And already God used him at Pentecost and 3,000 folks got saved. And he got to preaching and he just never quit, you know. And so he sees an opportunity to speak. And so he does it again in chapter 3, verse 11. It says this. Now, as a lame man who was healed, um, held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the, in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. And when Peter saw it, you know, he saw a crowd, you preach. He responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our power or our godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, I now watch, this is good. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up. And Now, this would make a crowd happy. Whom you delivered up, okay, um, and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you now see and know. Yes, the faith which comes from him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ should, would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. And here's, here's the climax. Here's the invitation. 
Repent, therefore. And that's, once again, we've really been trying to capitalize on that. You know, salvation involves repentance. Amen? Turning from your sin. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Now, we've got, we got to pause there. But what a powerful message to these folks, okay? And, and they're up there preaching. And we want to pick up chapter 4 tonight. And while they're up there preaching, st- several things happen that are very significant, I think, in our lives because of the political climate and the cultural climate that we now live in. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 1, the Bible says, And as they spoke to the people, Peter and John, as they were talking to the people, the priest the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, there are several things that are really huge. There's just a few things you need to know about, particularly about the Sadducees. One is, okay, they were protectors of tradition. Okay? And it, that's why they didn't like Jesus. Jesus came along and did away with a lot of the Pharisaical traditions. And they were protectors of that. So they naturally were the, the enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ and those who changed, chose to follow him. Secondly, they believed that the Messiah was not going to be a physical person, but was an ideal. It was kind of a philosophy that there would be a Messiah. The, the third thing you need to know is, is that they were friendly with Rome. And that's a bad sign. Amen? When, when, you're, when you're friendly with the enemy, it's always a bad sign. And the fourth thing you need to know is, is they did not believe in the resurrection. And that's why they were sad, you see. Yeah. Old preacher joke, but it works every single time, I promise you. So, so we had this people, and, and, these, and, and these folks were all involved with, with the crucifixion, okay? So they came, okay, and they were disturbed. Now, here's the problem in culture today. I want you to very clearly understand this. The problem in culture is Jesus. Okay? People, generally speaking, even today, do not have a problem with the general concept of intelligent design, of some kind of a blasé creator, but they really have a problem with Jesus Christ. I've heard it more than once. People will say, if you just tone down the Jesus thing, if you'll sort of just tone down what Jesus, you know, Jesus being the way and Jesus is and Jesus that. And I want you to know something. You cannot tone down on Jesus. When you tone down with Jesus, you water down the gospel to where it becomes nothing. It is Jesus Christ is central to the message of God and central, of course, to the message of salvation. And these folks were greatly disturbed because Jesus was being priest. And our culture today is disturbed because if a church is being the church, it is preaching the name of Jesus Christ. It's not God in general as much as it is the problem is Jesus. Well, what happens? The Bible says that they laid hands on them and they put them in custody until the next day because it was late in the evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Isn't that tremendous? Now, now, we believe this is basically 3,000 plus 2,000. This is a total number of the Jewish Christians now. Now, watch. You've got to grasp this. In just a period of a few days, there are 5,000 Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Now, come on. How about that? How's that for power? And, and the core is this. For up to this point and including this, the core is this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
They were saying, you heard him say this. Hey, guys, we were there. We saw this. We, we were under the tutage of Jesus Christ. We saw him crucified. We saw him in the grave. And we saw him. We touched him. We ate with him in his post-resurrection state. We know for a fact that Jesus Christ was resurrected. And there is so much power in that. Every time we gather in that building and every time we gather in this building, we need to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the feature of death proving that he's God. Come on, proving that he is God. He said, I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it up again. And that's exactly what he did. And man, it just stirred up Jerusalem. But even though they locked up the preacher, a total of 5,000 people, Jewish Christians, now are living in Jerusalem. Now, verses 5 through 7 says this. And it came to pass on the next day. And then again, this is the this is the lynch mob. Okay. On the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as uh, Annas, the, Annas, the high priest, Calpheus, John, and Alexander, as many as were the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they said, watch this, By what power or by what name have you done this? How is it that a man who could never walk now walks? This is powerful. Now, the thing I want you to take home tonight is the thing I'm learning and need to learn, and I'm sure Brother David and Brother Brent, any pastor would tell you this, is the greatest thing we can do in being a witness for Jesus Christ is to watch for open doors. You know what I'm talking about? When your friend at work says, I am so drowning in life, I just don't know what to do. That is an opportunity for you to say, well, let me tell you how God has helped me in my life. If we'll become sensitive, we'll be able to sense opportunities and open doors that we might be able to share Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to do. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he's trying to do. So Peter picked up on this instantly. Peter was glad to reply because he's so tuned in. In fact, look at the wordage, uh, the verbiage they uses. Then Peter what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Peter under the control of the Holy Spirit. Now keep in mind, this is Peter who a few weeks before has said, I don't even know the guy. I don't even know him. I'm not one of his followers. Okay, this was Peter who went out and wept bitterly. This is this is Peter who never thought he'd be able to serve again. This, this is a guy that was one day fishing and the next day he's being fishers of men. This is Peter. This is Peter who was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and preached and 3,000 people got saved. And the difference was what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I know we Baptists get nervous around the Holy Spirit. You know, we get nervous talking about and saying the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you something. Last time I checked, there is a trinity. Come on now, there is a trinity, and it's the Father, and it's the Son, and it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's our great comforter, and He is our power, and He's our strength living within us. And Peter, filled with that Holy Spirit, this humble fisherman, addresses the power figures in the religious world in Jerusalem. You know how he did that? Because of God. And guys, listen, with God, all things are possible. Come on now. With God, all things are possible. Let me tell you something. I honestly believe, I honestly believe that if we become sensitive to God and see the opportunities, we will see more people saved this coming year and starting now 
as we move forward into 2013 with a the theme of, of God's plan for sharing GPS, uh, one journey, one destination, we can see more people saved than we ever dreamed. We can pe- see people saved that we did not think could ever be saved. And I'm going to tell you a little story here. Can I just pause real quick? Randy this morning, Randy Steinmetz. I, Randy, Ryan thinks, Ryan was my visitation partner, and Ryan thinks it was probably two and a half, three years ago. Um, he was in a, a motorcycle accident. And his girlfriend was severely injured. Did she ever get... What happened to her? Did she die? Still in a nursing home. And it really just ate Randy up. Ate him up because he was driving the motorcycle. And I don't... If I remember right, I'm not sure if it was his fault. But it just ate him up. And we went and saw him. And we shared with him Christ. And he wasn't ready. And I said, that's cool. You know, let's pray for you and stuff. He calls me Friday. And I actually... Te- he Facebooked me and I called him. And he says... Mr. He called me Mr. Taylor. Mr. Taylor... He said, remember we talked three years ago about me trusting Jesus? I'm ready to make that commitment. Three years. Three years. I'm telling you, God can do the impossible. And people you think will never get it or never hurt it, God can bring them to saving grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just incredible what can happen. And so, so he said, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He said to them, rulers of the people, elders of Israel, if this day, if this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, what means he, by what means he then made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, now, of Nazareth, this is huge. He says, we want to make it clear. It is in us. It is God working through us. And by the way, in case you've forgotten, whom you crucified. Now, look at the boldness there. I mean, he's looking at people that were the lynch mob and said, I want you to know it's the name of Jesus Christ that you crucified and that God raised from the dead. By him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. What boldness. And when we get the Holy Spirit living in our lives and controlling us, an amazing boldness comes over us. Amen? Now watch this. He says it in 412. This is part of the music we sang tonight. Now, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Period. Period. There, is, there are not many roads to heaven. Jesus is not a Savior. He is the Savior. Jesus is not a way. He is the, the way. And I wanted to say it very bluntly and plainly to you. Do not confuse people with the word Baptist. Church is not the answer. A denomination is not the answer. Being Baptist is not the answer. The answer rests in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrificial death on the cross. There is no other name given under the name of Jesus Christ whereby we must be saved. That is the message of hope that we've got to take to the world. It's not church. It's not a denomination. It is a Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't forget that. Do not forget that. Now, in verse number 13 through 17. Now, when they saw the boldness. I mean, I am certain that they're sitting there and they're kind of like taking a bath because they're used to people kind of like bowing down to them. These are the, these are the, the political slash religious hobnobs. They're the power figures. Okay? They're not used to someone like an old fisherman standing up to them. Okay? And, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived... 
and knew that they were religiously uneducated and that they were religiously untrained men, they marveled. I mean, they kind of went back and said, hmm, what's up with this? What's up with this? And I love this. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. The greatest thing that could ever be said about any person in this room is when people recognize that you've been with Jesus. The greatest thing that can ever be said. It's not how well you sing. It's not how well you present yourself. It's not the car you drive. It's not the house you live in. It's not the clothes you wear, the labels you have. It's the fact that people can tell by the sweet aroma of Jesus all over you. How incredible is that? And verse 14, And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they couldn't say a thing. I got written down here, and I said, well, they said, I said, well, shut my mouth. Yeah, that's old Southern say, well, shut my mouth. And, and they commanded them to go outside the council so that they could have a, a conference. And here's what they said. What shall we do with these men? men? Verse 16. For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. You know, here's what's incredible to me about that. It's almost like they're saying... We see this man, and we know that he was lame, and now he can walk. From all appearances, it's attributable attributable to a man whom we crucified and is reported, because this is the bad guys talking, and reported that now lives again and has ascended to heaven. And they can't accept it. It's almost like they're saying, don't confuse me with the facts. It's like society, I believe society does that in America today. I mean, you know, the, the, this creation thing. My goodness, it amazes me. Now listen, I'm a simple pastor and I don't mind saying that. It amazes me that people have the faith to believe that they came somehow from some protein lying on a beach one day and now they can design 747s that weigh tons and tons and tons and can fly, but they can't say the fact that there's a Creator God who spoke one day and it was. They'd rather believe this, this fairy tale about a glob of jelly, even though it makes absolutely no sense. Even scientists are wrestling with it. Darwinism is falling apart. They wrestle with that, but they refuse to accept the fact that there's a God. It's crazy, guys. It's crazy. And I tell you, the answer is going to be, listen, the answer is going to be authenticity in our Christianity. Because let me tell you something. When they see us living out the principles and the love and the power of Jesus Christ, that is an attention-grabbing thing. It really is. That's why we've got to be authentic Christians and live out our faith in our community. So they said, what are we going to do with these guys? Well, they came up verse 17. So that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. I think that means, now listen here, young man, okay, like you did with your kids, okay? Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. We're going to tell them that Jesus stuff is over with. And they're used, by the way, to getting their way. You know, they would threaten you, if you don't do this, then we're going to kick you out of the church is what they do. They, they, they kick you out of the temple. All right, they're used to having their way. So they call them back in. Verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John answered and said to them, verse 19, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. Verse 20, I love it. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and Heard. You determine whether we should listen to you or God. That's for you to determine. But let us tell you our opinion. 
Our opinion is God trumps every time. Our, our opinion is God wins every single time. You can, you can huff and you can puff, but you're not going to blow this house down. Okay, you're not going to blow this house down. We're just telling you that we're going to continue doing what we did. Okay, and so it goes on. So when they had further threatened them, not getting their way, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what has done. For the man who was, was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And I love this because at the core of this is Jesus. You see, they could have done the easy thing. Right, let me tell you how they could avoid this whole mess. It goes something like this. So, um, by what power or by what name have you done this? Oh, God did it. They could have agreed with that. Oh, okay, God did it. Okay, that's fine. Okay, go ahead. Go. They didn't do the easy thing. They said, more specifically, more specifically, God did it. Jesus did it. The one you killed and the one God resurrected, he's the one who did it. And we've got to be that pointed in what we say to the people today. We've got to make sure they understand that you know, whether we're giving away pencils or, or whether we're building houses or, or whether we're feeding people, whatever we're doing, we've got to make sure they understand very pointedly that what we do, it's in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Very powerful. Now, I want to close tonight with this. I want to close with 23 through 31. And I want to take you to a prayer meeting tonight. A prayer meeting like you may have never been a part of. Watch this. Verse 23. And being let go, they went on their own to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. And here's what they said. Lord, you are God. Now, the word Lord there in the Greek literally translates the Lord of the house. The Lord of the house. Lord of the house, you are God. And you made heaven, you made earth and the sea and all that is in there. Now, what did they do that for? Because when you start, listen, in your prayer life, when you start magnifying God, the bigger you make God, the smaller your problems get. That's why in your prayer life, it's very important you don't focus on your problem. Because your problem could generally get bigger in your eyes and your God gets smaller. But if you'll start worshiping in your prayer time and thanking God, perhaps reading through Psalms, finding Psalms that talk about how the majesty of God, the heavens declare the majesty of God. Make God big, and all of a sudden your problems get very much in proportion. Okay? God gets bigger, and your problems will get smaller. Okay? And so they said, God who made the heavens and made the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, now, they point out that this is nothing new. What is happening to them is nothing new. David said, why did the nations rage? And the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. He's, you know, they're saying David even wrote you know, 600 years before the birth of Christ that nations were plotting evil. This is nothing new. This is not, don't let it catch you off guard. Don't let it catch you off guard that our society is going uh, downhill. Don't let it catch you off guard that all of a sudden God is on the top five popular list in most people's lives. Don't, don't be caught off guard with that. They're just acting like sinners. They're just acting like sinners. That's why we got to act like saints. I, I came up with a new slogan for a church. You know, church ought to be a place helping sinners become saints. 
Helping sinners become saints. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, to the saints in Corinth. The saints in Corinth. God declares, brothers and sisters, that you're saint whether you know it or not. Amen? It has nothing to do with the Catholic Church blessing you. God declares you to be a saint. And we should help sinners become saints. So it goes on and says this. Verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed. Pause. What you're going to read is incredible. Whom you appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Roman government, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, whom he preached to earlier, that said, we want Barabbas, crucify him, crucify him. You appointed those people of Israel were gathered together to do, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. If you ever doubt that Calvary was a magnificent plan, if you ever doubt that somehow God was on vacation that day, or if you ever doubt and think that God kind of got let things get out of control, uh-uh. You go back here to Acts chapter 4. It says, where your determined purpose. Come on now, get excited about that. It's important for your life. Because you're going to run some very difficult things. and be awful easy if you believe that somehow God missed it. Somehow God showed up late. Somehow God didn't show up for you. And you need to understand something. That God has a, a determined purpose in your life. He's working things out for His honor and for His glory. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. I mean, this is so powerful of a verse. Knowing that every facet of the crucifixion was allowed and purposed by God. That's what I was trying to say this morning when I said Jerusalem represented the gates of hell. That all the forces of evil had gathered there. But God was still sovereign. Never stopped being sovereign. How powerful is that? Now, verse 29. What are they going to pray? They're going to have a prayer meeting. Now, I'm going to have a prayer meeting. What are they going to pray? Now, Lord, would you please protect us from these evil men? But would you please... Just hold back their hand so they cannot hurt us. Wasn't that what we would pray? Would you please notice what they prayed? Now, Lord, look upon their threats. Notice their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Wow. How's that different from our prayer meetings? How often do we gather in our prayer meetings and it's, it's God bless this and bless this and bless this and bless... How often do we say, God, you hear their threats. All I'm asking God is boldness to be the believer that I need to be that people might see Jesus in me. God, if I've got a cancer, God, let me bear this cancer so that others might see my faith and I lose a loved one. God, may I so go through the valley of the shadow of death that people see Jesus in me. God, when I lose my job and they hand me the pink slip, may they see Jesus in me. God, when I'm in a difficult situation, God, please let them see Jesus in me. Give me the boldness to be a man of God in the most difficult of circumstances. That's a different prayer than most of us ever pray. We pray often for the deliverance when God may want to be God in the midst of our storms. God is sovereign. And God's in control. The Bible says, verse 30, By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. God 
be magnified. God, be big. Whether it's signs or miracles, God, be big so people may see you. Wow. And then, the last verse. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. I wrote down, God, would every prayer meeting be this? Wouldn't it be incredible that every time two or three are gathered, that the place is so shaken and we so felt the presence of God and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God with boldness. God heard and answered their prayer. And what's really cool is, if you'll notice, what did He do? God gave us boldness. He filled them with the Spirit. And that's not a mystical, magical term. It means simply that the Holy Spirit was in control of their lives. To be filled with the, to be baptized in the Spirit occurs when you are saved. Amen? On the day of your salvation, every person in this room, if you are genuinely born again, you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. He calls regeneration in your life. He took up residence in your life. There's one baptism and many fillings. And to be filled with the Spirit means I surrender and let the Holy Spirit have its way in my life. So they surrendered. They capitulated. That's not a southern word. Capitula- is it capitulated? Yeah, I don't know what it means, but it sounds good. They, they surrendered, okay? Were filled with the Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. God answered their prayers. Guys, I don't know all... You know, it all started with that minor prophet thing. But God wants to do tremendous things in America. God wants to do tremendous things in Illinois. And God wants to do tremendous things in Harrisburg. And God wants to do more tremendous things in His church. And more tremendous things specifically in the body of believers at Dorisville Baptist Church. Let's tell them about Jesus. Let's keep Jesus at the center of all that we do. I love the video. This is it. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And let's pray the kind of prayer that God can answer. God, give us boldness. Would you bow your heads, please, in prayer? You know, as we uh, prepare to go out in the world tomorrow, it's going to be a pretty busy week. We have the opportunity to celebrate Novella's life. That's already part. There's a surgery to be held um, some of you will be going to school. Some of you will be going to work tomorrow. As, as God um, gives us opportunity, let's look for open doors. And let's begin our day tomorrow by saying, Okay, God, I, I want to surrender. And I want you to fill me with your spirit um, that I might be the witness that I need to be. And it might be McDonald's. It may be Barbecue Barn for some of you. Um, it may be, well, wherever and whatever. But look for the open doors and point people to Jesus Christ. Thanks, God, for the incredible privilege, um, Father, of your word. Uh, thank you how powerful it is. Father, I've been told that there are more people being saved today in the world than even greater proportionately than Pentecost. We often pray for another Pentecost, but we're experiencing it in the world today. Be magnified. Be great. Be large. Be God. 
And may we be obedient to you in all things. Father, give us a boldness to speak the name of Jesus at every opportunity we have. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen.